Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Auntie Nanny. <clears throat> As is traditional, we'll start with the CASA update. Good evening, and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 9-26-2017. Hi, Alex. What's new and exciting this week? We're back. <laughs> yes, we're back. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're back online and uh, I, I'm sorry to hear that that you're working so hard but um, I'm glad everybody's safe down there and uh, on the road to recovery so um, yeah for those who don't know um, you know we, I, this is Jan is, is in Florida and affected by the hurricanes um, so uh, it's one of the reasons why we've been kind of radio silent for, I guess it's been about a month or so. Yeah, it's been about a month. There was one week where I literally couldn't get on the air because of the thunderstorms were so bad. And then another week, I think you were having internet issues very down there or something. And then after that, it was just hurricane time. So... <laughs> And then I got the bonus fun of getting to work like three o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night for a bunch of weeks. Uh, store is finally starting to resemble a store again, which is lovely, which is a good thing. Um, happy that's over. Yeah. So what is new and exciting? What have I missed? Um, a lot. I actually debated like how far back I wanted to reach into okay. um, what's happened um, over the past month, okay. but uh, I, I don't really want to rehash a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, it's been covered pretty extensively. Okay. And you know, to be honest, the, the latter half of August actually right. turned out to be kind of quiet, which is nice. Um, much mm -hmm. need break from all right. of this, but it's September. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we're back, um, yes. so uh, back in action. Uh, I guess really the first things I should should mention is um, Minnesota. Um, yeah. There should be a lot of attention on Minnesota. Um, equally so, I, you know, Massachusetts is facing it, it's sort of the never-ending barrage of anti-vaping, anti-tobacco type ordinances. I don't, yes. I don't want anybody to think that that, you know, that Massachusetts is ever out of the woods on that. Um, it's just one of those things that's very difficult to engage in because it's boards of health that are implementing these and these are unelected. Right. Um, I believe they're unelected. Um, yeah, I don't think people. they're. And, and, and the, you know, the democratic process tends to break down quite substantially right. with those groups. Mm -hmm. um, uh, unless, of course, uh, lots, of, lots of angry um, Massachusetts residents show up with the, I mean, I don't know if they actually had torches and pitchforks, but it, <laughs> you know the proverbial torches and pitchforks to shut down a hearing, um, which uh, may or may not happen. Uh, I'm, I'm, anyway, so anyway, um, back to the issue at hand, which is Minnesota. Um, first of all, Pop, uh, I want to highlight a victory in Minnesota in Detroit Lakes. Awesome. Um, Detroit Lakes was looking at kind of a multi-issue ordinance, if I remember correctly. Um, this was uh, Tobacco 21, I think there was some licensing stuff in there, and I believe there was also an indoor use ban. Um, and uh, Minnesota, another thing that's going on uh, is uh, 
banning the sale of menthol and mint and whipped cream in uh, stores other than especially shops that prohibit anyone under the age of 18 from entering. Right. Um, and uh, so that would, that would also include, typically that will include flavored vapor products right. um, and anything other than tobacco. Um, so, and I understand that I think shop owners, I know in Canada, this has been a bone of contention uh, among the industry groups um, is that, uh, you know, shop owners seem to think that that gives them some sort of an advantage over C stores. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think it's, it's, it's better to look at this in terms of exposure for your product, not necessarily your brand. Um, in that, you know, if a smoker is walking into a C store and sees variety of flavored products available to them uh first of all they're more likely to try it uh in in the c store and then afterwards they're more likely to seek out more interesting products in your store um so and and this is a bit of the logic that is behind um you know Altria and reynolds getting involved in the the larger vapor space right um you know the the the, the open systems market the the vape shops, the vape culture, all of that stuff, actually, you know, it helps them a bit in their advocacy efforts. It helps them by, um, you know, raising awareness of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, I think they see that as a benefit to their, even though they're closed systems and it's it's sort of a completely different, um, you know, marketing strategy from, from their standpoint. Right. Um, it still benefits them to have that specialty market around. So, um, I think that goes both ways, and um, that's that's something to keep in mind if you if you are a shop owner, you know, just exactly you know what you should be advocating for, and and ultimately this comes down to consumers having the most access to these products. That's yeah. that's what we want. We want visibility. We want awareness, um, and if that means that uh, you know strawberry milkshake flavored hookah pens are available in a gas station, then so be it. Um, so and I don't know if it's a strawberry milkshake flavored pen. I just that I, was the first example that came to mind. I don't know if that exists, but probably. Um, it should. Yeah. So anyway, I've gotten sufficiently off topic there. Um, but uh, D- Detroit Lakes, uh, there is a, a group of uh, folks, a, a mix of business owners and consumers in uh, Minnesota that have uh, mobilized and. Um, I believe I, 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 they, they, it's THR for life. Um, okay. uh, it's a, a nonprofit that has sprung up and um, it, it's actually a 501c3. Um, and one of their original projects, I don't know where they are with it, but uh, one of the original ideas was to actually provide kind of a, an all quit line. Right. Um, and I actually just said all quit line. Um, but you know, it was something where, where smokers could call in and actually receive advice about switching and rather than just, you know, use these products, quit or die. Um, so, uh, a very interesting concept. I don't know where they are with that. Um, but, uh, and I think there's some, uh, there's some, there's some very legal fine points out there that I think they're to work out in terms of who's funding it and whatnot. But, uh, I, it's, it's a, it's an interesting project. Um, and of course, you know, there were actually THR for life t-shirts representing at this Detroit Lakes hearing, which was, um, which was interesting to kind of counter the, um, you know, raise the age to 21 t-shirts that you typically see or whatever, sure. whatever they have on their, their t-shirts. Um, 
So um, a good showing by people in Detroit Lakes and ultimately the city council decided to table the ordinance and uh, I'd certainly count it as a victory, but I, I do want to offer a word of caution in that this is something that can very likely come back. It can come back in a few months, it can come back in a year. Um, you know, these, these folks are not, not giving up on this policy fight, no matter how no. much science or evidence you put in front of them. Right. Um, and certainly, um, you know, I, I guess the threat of, of young people buying um, any kind of products on the black market in a, basically an unregulated atmosphere um, does not deter them from advocating for prohibition. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, anti-smokers seem to know one song and they keep repeating it quite successfully. So why learn a different verse, right? Is is the song for the children? For the children, oh yay! For the children, for the children, for the children, you will quit or die. No flavors, no fun. I think that might be the chorus. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's always good to start with some good news, I guess. Uh, sure it's supposed to actually end with good news, but um, we'll start with it. Um, but you know, like I said, the march across Minnesota continues. Um, there has been uh, an interesting trend where, you know, typically we see these types of policies try to get uh, activists try to sort of steamroll these through council, right? They, they have uh, either approached the council members with this proposal, they've lobbied them in advance, they've built enough support, they've built a coalition on the board, whatever. And by the time the rest of the public hears about it, all of the board members, all of the council members have been sufficiently lobbied and they've pretty much made up their mind. Mm -hmm. And um, by the time it gets to a hearing, public input is just, it's kind of meaningless. Um, but I, I have to say probably one of the biggest impacts has been from uh, you know, the C store associations and, you know, the grocers and, and all these independent mom and pop convenience stores. Um, a lot of these stores are owned by uh, minorities, Arab Americans, um, and uh, there are undertones of racism that get thrown into this, mm -hmm. uh, especially in New York City. Um, and it was, it, was, it was very interesting to watch the New York City Council hearing. Um, it was interesting to be a part of it. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, that that has an impact. Um, unfortunately, it seems more so than any harm reduction arguments, but um, so that seems to have slowed the roll a bit in Minnesota. And a lot of these, it's several of these hearings have been kind of pushed back. Um, and I don't know if I have specific examples on that. So St. Paul's is St. Paul, is it St. Paul's or St. Paul? St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota has been pushed back. Um, uh, I don't know if St. Cloud got moved. Um, yeah, so a lot, yeah, both of these delayed a bit. Um, I think even Detroit Lakes saw a bit of a delay. Um, so uh, St. Cloud is kind of the next one, I believe. I'm sorry, St. Paul is the next one that we're going to see um, come to a hearing. Um, 
the uh, this is a menthol mints, and I, I, I haven't actually reviewed the ordinance. I don't know how, how much this uh, uh, impacts vaping. Um, I assume that since it does ban mint, mint and menthol and wintergreen, that that would be extended to, to vapor products in C stores. But this is another one that um, restricts sales to uh, establishments that, that prohibit entry to 18 and under or under 18. Right. Um, but a motion was made during the last hearing to extend the effective date for 90 days mm -hmm. uh, and also to keep kind of keep the hearing open until this week um there were uh uh they they cited reasons of you know there were religious holidays involved that were sort of uh preventing people from showing up at the at the hearing and they wanted to make sure that everybody's voices were right. um so i don't know if that is happening tonight or later on this week i'll have to get more details um so yeah um st cloud another city that's delayed uh, I guess originally they were supposed to hear, they were supposed to have a hearing on it um, this month, but that got delayed. The city council wants to bring it to their study session on October 16th okay. and discuss it further, um, which is, I think, what we're going to plan to get St. Cloud residents to engage on is that if we can get a lot of arguments in, um, in advance of that study session, that might be helpful, uh, and then reinforce those arguments at the public hearing, which is on November 9th. Okay. Um, so, St. Paul and St. Cloud looking at anti flavor menses. Um, St. Cloud, we have the advantage of Mayor Dave Cleese uh, is, okay. is opposed to the ordinance. Um, this is only, I'm, I'm sorry, St. Cloud is only a Tobacco 21 okay. Um It does not sufficiently amend the smoking definition to include vapor in an indoor place ban. Okay. Um, so that's probably good news, I guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's a bit of Minnesota. And I'll have more details next week on Minnesota. The other kind okay. of exciting news is that... I've signed up CASA to get, um, we're, we're now a part of a local issues project. Okay. Um, and uh, I will be getting information from that, which okay. includes a, a long, an already long and expanding list of ordinances that are focused on all tobacco and vapor. Um, so, I'm glad. I'm glad I got a couple of weeks in August to kind of decompress a bit, um, because the rest of the year is probably going to be a nightmare at the local level, um, which is typically how this goes. Once state legislatures get out of session, we start to find ourselves needing to engage more local. Um, right. So yeah, fun times ahead. You and I have very different definitions of fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, it's probably pretty similar. I just. You know. I know. I was. Yeah. yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another local issue that is coming up is uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Um, we put out an alert about 
this last week. Um, crap, I need to get, uh, I should have opened this up in advance for details. Here we go. Hey, that breaking news feed on our website is very useful. <laughs> um, so uh, originally on uh, last week, last Tuesday, um, there was a hearing um, on a ordinance that would increase the age to purchase to 21. Right. And uh, I believe this also has a, does this have an indoor use ban? Yes. Um, and essentially, as I understand it, there were two proposals that were on the table. And uh, the difference between them was, uh, you know, one that obviously raises the age to purchase to 21 and prohibits vaping indoors, just like smoking, or actually it just folds vaping into the smoking law, which means like no, no vaping within like 15 or 20 feet of the entryway, um, no vaping in restaurants and workplaces and all that other fun stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, so one version, I believe, criminalized possession for anyone under the age of 21. The other does not. And so that the real debate there was criminalizing possession. Of course, we don't support criminalizing possession. We don't support raising the age of 21. And we don't support making people uh, enforce an indoor use ban. Um, so we're just outright opposed to the ordinance. Um, <clears throat> but you know, on such short notice, actually, Excuse me, I have to take a sip of Okay, sure. On Go such ahead. short on, on such short notice, um, a, a small group of business, business owners and local advocates were able to get together. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, voice opposition to the ordinance. And it was um, uh, as a, another hearing that was pushed back to uh, I'm hearing now October 3rd. There's nothing official on the site. It was just reported in the local media. Um, but uh, October 3rd is the next um, scheduled hearing. And I'll be putting an update up for Starkville, Mississippi. And okay. we will also have an email campaign for this. Um, uh, interesting fact that I got from this article that I will share the link with you, Jan, so we can put this in the in the show notes, um, Starkville was the first city in Mississippi to adopt an indoor smoking ban, I believe, back in 2009. Okay. So uh, there's a bit of there's a bit of poetry here, in that now they're looking at a vaping ban. Uh, there is already another city that vaping in Mississippi, so they're they're not the first this time. They're not they're not leaders. I say that with. Uh, it should be a detectable level of disdain, um, <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah. So fun fact for you, fun fact collectors out there. Um, so yeah, that's Starkville, Mississippi. Look for an update, um, and I think that's it for the local roundup. I would get into California, but um, I, I I think. It, uh, California, Oakland actually <laughs> passed a, um, a flavor ban. Um, I need to review it. I don't, I can't remember if it's like San Francisco, but it's bad. Um, wow. And um, 
prior prior to the the hearing about the the flavor ban i don't exactly know what it was i wasn't paying full attention to it but there, it had something to do with labor unions and um uh, a protest broke out um there were papers flying in the air yelling and screaming uh and the the city council had to kind of pause things while they cleaned up um very passionate apparently city council hearings in oakland are very entertaining um i should probably watch them yes. more often. <laughs> yeah um but uh, oakland did vote to adopt some version of a flavor ban and i apologize for not having details on that but i will say that um not blowing smoke has been covering all the California stuff. Not smoke, obviously, based in California, um, they have been a good resource for information about, about all of the bands that are floating around California. And um, as as our uh, access to this local issues thing uh, goes forward, I'll have more information on that. Um, sadly, I will have more information about that. Um, <clears throat> so, um, that's California, uh, moving right along. Um, so you, we were briefly, very briefly chatting about, um, uh, deadlines, FDA deadlines. Oh, yes. And if you're not aware of the one that's coming up in, as we speak, uh, less than four days, yeah. um, you've got your work cut out for you. Um, not oh, just yeah. because of, I'm sure, the, the volume of products that you may or may not have to register with the FDA, but because you and everyone else, uh, well, not everyone else, you and a lot of people in the industry have waited until the absolute last minute to do this. And there have been some pretty... Uh, there have been some notable technical problems with the FDA's website. Um, no. It has been, yeah. So just to give people some numbers, um, let's see if I wrote this down. So there are 2,073,000 plus products currently registered on the FDA site. Two million products. <laughs> oh my god! I th I'm gonna say I think the FDA underestimated this. Yeah, I think I, shop owners. If if I heard the number correctly today in the original deeming rule and their whatever estimate of how much, um, how many applications they expected to receive, they were accounting for somewhere around three thousand products, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, they they missed they missed it by two million and seventy thousand. Yeah, they're um, a little off. A little yeah, that's like it's like I I was gonna give some sort of space analogy like they no 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 know. it's not even space they need to hire the army to go through this stuff for them. It's like it's like drilling to the center of the center of the earth when you're aiming for the moon. <laughs> Is that appropriate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that decimal points matter. <laughs> um, so, um, and someone had run an estimate based on 
um, the FDA's estimate of what a PMTA would cost. So for PMTAs to be filed for each one of those the two million plus products, um, the total cost would be six hundred and five billion dollars. Oh, sure, that's nothing. We, we Pocket change. We keep that stashed in the couch cushions at Casa. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's not, folks. I've got a. I've got a truckload of angry children. I just turn them upside down and shake them out for pocket change every now and then. And lo and behold, hundreds of billions of dollars falls out. Um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, God. So, yeah, I it's... Want... Go ahead. I, I wonder what the, the compliance officer is doing as they're seeing those roll in. You know? They've, they've I, got to be going, oh, my God, there is no, we are so screwed. I, to some extent, I've imagined them, I've imagined a couple different scenarios that, you know, they're sort of sitting around that, that boardroom table on a conference call and everybody's like, how many million? You know, or like at the, at the you know, in the early days, it was like, wait a second, how many thousand? Like, wait, there's, there's tens of thousand, you know, now we're now we're in hundreds of thousands. Wait, when is this, if we're going to stop, like. You know, you're pulling my leg, aren't you? You know, and there's probably, you know, I mean, product registration has been available for months now. It's not, right. This is not something that just opened up last week. Um, sure. um, I remember uh, there was a tweet early on, probably um, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, the number was about 1.5 million or 1.3 million. And that's, you know, almost doubled now. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is picking up rapidly. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, the real story here is I, I actually went back and looked through some of our early FDA engagements um, that went back to, is it 2014? Yeah, it was probably 2014 when we were doing some of the original comment on the FDA deeming. And um, there was an early engagement where, um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about was you know, yes, everybody should be making plans to go through these compliance deadlines and be compliant because that's our opportunity to show that the system can't handle the volume, that FDA grossly underestimated the number of people that were going to be affected by this, grossly underestimated the costs. And, you know, we actually have to bog down, we have to break the system in order to show them that. And this is all, you know, collecting potentially data points to then take to Congress and say, look, this federal agency is not, they're not equipped to handle this regulation. Um, it, you know, this isn't about giving them money. This is about overhauling the regulatory process. And here's, here's the what for. Um, so, uh, you know, this was, then this just happened. I mean, no, it's not, no organization actually went out there and prompted all of these business owners to make their applications. These are people that are just fighting for their jobs, um, you know, their livelihood, their families. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's, uh, this is, I think, kind of even better than anybody could have expected. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if, if actually many people expected 2 million products to be submitted. No, um, probably so, not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of my scenarios I imagine at the FDA board table is one of complete shock and, and awe, and the other is sort of like, you know, well, you know, whatever. They're all going to be out of business in four years anyway. 
Um, so I don't know about that. You know. it's, it, currently, it is a distinct possibility, um, sure. and, and, and we'll get to that. Um, but I, I did at least want to highlight that the product registration deadline is September 30th, um, and that is oh, Saturday. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know if that means it's actually the 30th or if it's really the 29th, um, yeah. but it, the stated deadline is September 30th. Um, there was a bit of a, apparently of the rumor got circulated. Um, I heard this offline, um, but uh, um, there is a, uh, um, a scheduled outage in the FURLS system. That's FDA's United Unified Registration Listing Systems. Okay. Um, but the FURLS system has different modules. And the scheduled outage, outage is for the medical device module, right. not not the tobacco registration and product listing module. So um, there is no outage for the tobacco folks uh, from the 28th to the 2nd, I believe. It's that's just for medical devices. So if you find if you're on the 28th and that's your that's your day off and you're planning to upload everything on the 28th, stick to that um, yeah. because uh, well, I mean I would say. I think the good advice is to get working on it tomorrow, but if you absolutely can't, um, yeah. then you know, you're still gonna be able to. The other thing um, in this whole registration thing is that you know there were people working on it. There were people that had scheduled to do this in September and they, they had taken the responsible steps, but then because they live in Texas or Louisiana or Florida, um, they got hit with hurricanes mm -hmm. and they have been delayed or are still in a position where they cannot complete the process. So um, there is, and actually I'll do, I'll do this live because that's always exciting. So <laughs> tobacco, I'm Googling this, tobacco okay. product registration. Um, and uh, the top uh, result is, uh, the second result is tobacco products, tobacco registration and product listing, TRLM. And that takes me to their the FDA's webpage on it, okay. and at the top, in highlighted in red, rose, or burgundy, whatever it is, right. um, is a PDF is information regarding tobacco registration and product listing for manufacturers impacted by recent natural disasters, um, and it's a very short document, right. um, but uh, it goes into uh, you know if you were affected by um, the recent hurricanes uh, and potentially other natural disasters, uh, uh, then uh, contact the FDA. And the email address, which is awesome, is ctpregistrationandlisting at fda.hhs.gov. More importantly, you should just know how to Google this right. and um, follow those very detailed instructions I just gave out live on the <laughs> podcast. Um, and you will find this. It is highlighted in red. And and it basically um, it gives you the, the information that the agency needs in order to contact, get in contact with you and discuss your issue. They will be looking at this on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, so, um, Again, very interesting for the compliance officers of the FDA. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, so, yeah, and all of that, you know, should... Also, I need to reiterate this, that the compliance deadlines 
-hmm. have not changed anymore. That we got those a three month extension on things, but that's done. We're now compliance deadlines are scheduled and happening. The only thing that changed was the deadline for the PMTA. That's it. So just, I, I, I want to read, I feel like that should probably be the public service announcement between now and probably sometime, I guess probably been until August 8th of next year, um, because that's when all the compliance deadlines are, are pretty much finished. So um, yeah, and there's, there's more stuff coming up. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, get cracking. Um, so that was the big FDA news. Um, actually, in the, in the month that we had off, um, I had the opportunity to go and speak at GTNF. Right. Uh, they had their uh, conference in New York City. Okay. Um, I was only there for, we, we actually could not afford to go. Um, the, wow. the tickets for that are actually pretty high, but um, I was brought in as a panelist and um, therefore was afforded the opportunity to come spend a, you know, an afternoon. I was there until the evening um, and uh, was, was there as a guest. So um, I took advantage and, and went and saw a panel and another panel and then participated in a panel. Right. <clears throat> um, and it was a good, GTNF was on a good show. So it was, it was good. I was on a panel. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, several people, but most notably um, Audrey Silk uh, right. from New York City Clash and Simon Clark from Forest from the UK. Wow. To um, yeah, to smokers' rights advocates. That's, um, I'm so totally jelly. I really. Am. It was it was great. Um, and uh, Audrey Audrey's a pistol man. Um, she she got up and and kind of gave him the and mm-hmm. um, you know there's I mean there's representatives from tobacco companies sitting in this room it's it's, it's pretty interesting so to have you know a consumer and uh, you know a New York City a former New York City cop um, you know smoker getting up there saying you guys need to do more like you know if you if yeah. you want to protect your product you need to empower consumers in order to speak up for this stuff yeah. um, it, it was it was a very interesting um, and and people loved it too I mean it was I the reviews were that it was probably one of the best panels of the of the weekend or of the not weekend of the event um right. so I, I think i think also people were very um it was a bit refreshing to hear from some unpolished consumer folks as opposed to you know watching powerpoint after powerpoint with numbers and lines and you know other charts um it was it was good to hear some color so um and um simon also actually uh was very good. It, there was there was a bit of a theme uh, among the three of us, uh, which was, you know, there is this push. And if you if you go back and read um, uh, Scott Gottlieb's, I think it's in his speech at the FDA, not the announcement, but his speech. Um, he talks about both sides of this issue. You know, you have these uh, anti-smoking activists on one side, which you know they fly they they insert themselves under the banner of public health. Right. And then you have the, um, the, you know, it's really the harm reduction advocates on the other. I mean, we're all sort of in the same pile of 
as far as that they're concerned. But, you know, harm reduction, personal liberty type folks, you know, we're all sort of on the other side of this. And so, you know, he's, he's painted this polarized picture of, of advocacy and saying that, uh, you know, everybody is sort of entrenched in their beliefs. And, um, you know, what really needs to happen is that both groups need to come to somewhere in the middle and, and find common ground. And, and this was something that was echoed on the panels. And this is a panel that was, that was, you know, stocked with harm reduction advocates. Clive Bates was on there. Right. Uh, David Sweeney was on there. And one of the reoccurring themes was, you know, we need to, we need to come to some sort of common ground. Yeah. And the theme throughout our presentation was us consumers. Right. We're the common ground. We're, we're the people in the middle of all of this that everybody's fighting over. You know, the companies are fighting for dollars. The health groups are fighting for our dollars and our votes and, and our attention. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's us that, that I think, you know, we don't necessarily, consumers are, are we pay attention to both of these sides, I think, mm -hmm. to really or so get a heads up on what the next crisis is going to be. But, you know, what should really be happening is both sides need to be paying attention to what we're actually doing. Consumers have made the choice here. We have chosen to use these lower risk products, whether you're talking about Sweden and snooze or in America, there are plenty of people that use the smokeless tobacco as a form of production. And um, there are many people that just use smokeless tobacco recreationally and don't suffer from the same death and disease that you find in smoking. Um, and of course, there are millions of us who have chosen to use vapor products. We've already made that decision. And what these groups need to be, what they need to be focused on is empowering us and educating us and, and allowing us to continue making those decisions uh, and, and make them in a good, positive way. So... Um, and, and, that, and that requires efforts from both sides. I mean, you know, industry has a role to play in taking responsibility, making sure that there are good manufacturing practices in place, um, making sure that there are standards that are being followed. Public health advocates have a responsibility to actually investigate the phenomenon. And, you know, rather than, than, than paint it with their, you know, weird ideology, that assumes that if, if you can just magically make all of these things disappear, then people will not use them. Um, I mean, that, that is what they're trying to do. Um, you know, it, it, it's more about actually looking at the data and the numbers and finding that people are making safer choices about how to consume nicotine and tobacco. So, <sighs> that, that was a big part of the message was, you know, we're the ones in the, we're the middle ground. Look at us, look at what we're doing, meet us where we're at. And that's, that's where we need to look to solve this. Um, but, you know, I, I think when, when, when advocates, when, when consultants and activists and researchers and policy professionals talk about finding common ground, it seems to me that they're actually talking about Bit, a bit more about horse trading and right. the conversations that the calls that I get people come up and ask me questions it right. usually starts it usually comes with this tone of 
what are you guys willing to give up? And some of that has, has seeped into the discussion about flavors. And, you know, there's going to be that conversation about, well, is pineapple an acceptable adult flavor? You know, are, are there variations of pineapple that are kid-friendly? Should we limit it to just natural tasting pineapple flavor or, or not? Is cherry, you know, is cherry an adult flavor? So that's, that's the type of conversation I think that some people are expecting to have and that would limit the flavor selection down to like half a dozen, maybe a little bit more. Um, and of course, I think I recently saw a story out there about how, um, you know, adult beverage flavors are actually most appealing to kids. Shocker. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so, and you know, actually, I think while we're on the, the appealing to children thing, um, mm-hmm. I, and I apologize again, you have to forgive me for being all over the map here. We haven't done this in a month, so there's, there's just a lot. Um, but I can't remember if we talked about the FDA's updated e-cigarette, their, their updated tobacco and kids page. Did we talk about that? Um, I think that might have been during uh, the, the half a month, the month because of te- technical difficulties slash hurricane things. So that might have been something right. we planned to talk about. I don't think we ever got there. So if you haven't seen this, let's let's. Let's do this live on the air again. Um, FDA tobacco and kids. That's my FDA for all the fun. Yeah, that's my Google search. FDA tobacco and kids. Youth and tobacco FDA. Oh no, this is boring. What? Is, this isn't what. Um, this isn't what you were looking for. No. Uh, maybe. Uh, well, try HHS. Try HHS, Kids and Tobacco. I think that'll be closer to what you're looking for. Oh, wait. No. Wait. Hold on. It's the real the real cost? Yeah. Um, damn. There's a... Yeah, okay. So, F- 2017 expansion to focus on the prevention of youth e-cigarette use. FDA announced it would pursue a strategic new public health education campaign. And damn it, I can't find it. This is a, this is a problem with the FDA. Is it, you know? They don't keep their stuff in one place. No, why? Thinking where to find it. Um, man, because these were awful. I, I see some YouTube ads, but... Um, Oh, now I'm just, this is disappointing. Uh, Hang on. So. Is is this closer to what you're looking for? I stuck it in our chat. No. No? No, that's not it either. So I'll describe it though, because that's part of the fun. Since we were talking about um, adult beverage flavors actually being very appealing to young people, the FDA's would keep the kids away from the vaping page, which I'm having trouble finding now. It shouldn't be this hard to find. Um, actually, it, it had these 
illustrations of the various tobacco products. So you had you had hookah and I think cigarettes were in there and smokeless tobacco and then an e-cigarette one. And I can't remember what the e-cigarette one looked like, but they're basically these like, you know, evil, evil looking robot villains. I mean, but they were cool looking. Like if I were a kid, I might want that on a t-shirt. In fact, if, if you could make an action figure out of those illustrations, you could sell them to kids. So it was another example of, you know, a public health agency, just like, you know, um, the, the not blowing smoke or the, the still blowing smoke campaign in, mm -hmm. in California. It was, it was like they hippified the whole thing and it actually kind of makes these products a bit more appealing to young people. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, maybe they focused group this stuff and they found a bunch of kids that don't like horror movies or don't like robot fighting. I don't know. And, and the kids were like, yeah, that would discourage me from doing things. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how they managed to pull that off, but you know, the, the 14 year old in me looked at that and said, yeah, sign me up. These cigarettes look cool. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, and that's something that happened, you know, there's, you know, we have this amazing announcement from, from Scott Gottlieb and FDA and even, you know, Zeller seemed to be up there right. with a huge grin. I mean, it, it really, it looked like, the, it, to me, I kind of felt like, you know, with, with Scott Gottlieb coming in and, and proposing this new approach, and making this announcement, it looked like someone kind of unchained Zeller from the radiator, you know, like he's finally able to get <laughs> out there and freely talk about like he's always wanted to. He spent eight years or however long, um, you know, under the Obama administration, you know, having to, to bite his tongue and, and pretend that all tobacco was evil. Mm -hmm. um, but now he's got a bit more room to work with um, so he, he seemed very happy about this announcement. He still, however, is the same Mitch Zeller and very adept at giving a non-answer to things. Right. Um, and I believe, um, I think it's publicly, um, uh, Bink, Bink Viberg. Okay. I'm sure, I messed up his name. Bink Viberg, who is the uh, inventor of sting-free snoots. Right. by the way, and, and I'm trying to find a way for us to talk about this because um, it's, it's actually a pretty significant invention, I think. Um, Sting-free snoots, by the way, is not a particular brand of snoots. This is a, this is an, it is a product innovation that he is shopping around to various snooze makers. And uh, I may have talked about this back during snooze con, but um, so um, Sting-free snoots, it, it, it sort of, it's, it's basically a membrane and it, it minimizes the thing that you experience when you use snooze right. and this is actually you know this is something that he invented for women because a lot of women complain that that because of the sting they don't like it um, right. and i'm sure there are other reasons why we don't use smokeless tobacco but um, it, this is a problem in sweden is that mostly men are predominant who have adopted snooze and women still have very high smoking rates um, right. and so his, his effort was to try to make something that was more appealing so that they would switch um, but you know, he, he posted a video, um, where he, he asked a question at GTA, 
Mitch Zeller um, about the Swedish experience and whether or not that factored into um, the, the FDA granting uh, the PMTAs to Swedish Match. Of course, with no respect, no 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 regard for the fact that those products were actually appropriately submitted to the substantial equivalency pathway, um, but mm -hmm. FDA approved it through PMTA, um, allegedly uh, rumored that people have uh, people suspect that FDA did it so that they could show someone can actually navigate the PMTA process, sure. um, which Swedish matches Swedish matches the only company to do it um right. so that's that um but uh it, it was still you know it, it basically it was your, your your classic kind of mitch zeller non-answer uh, it was it was uh i think the only thing that was significant that he actually brought up was that they actually did look at the swedish experience and that this factored it did factor some amount into their decision to approve products um but again it, it's a bit of fluff because like i said the, the snooze products that swedish match submitted appropriately um approved through the se pathway uh and it's really it's, it's not I, I think a lot of people want it to be groundbreaking um right. and it's it's just not so um i, I think it's nice that fda uh, at least said that they considered the data coming out of Sweden, um, which you know is is completely counter to what they have messaged in the past, which was you know looking at the data coming out of K, looking at the justification for public health England and the Royal College of Physicians supporting vaping as you know transitioning smokers to smoke. FDA's response to anybody saying look at the data coming out of the UK has been, well, that's the UK, they're different. Um, so, you know, it, it's... <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna take another sip of water. No, no, it's, it, it's just crazy. Maybe it is. So. We, we know what we know and it's, it's funny watching them tap dance circles around ways to disagree with what we know is true. You know what I mean? Just... Yeah, and they tend to, you know, agree or disagree as it is convenient. Um, you know, the, the yeah. bureaucrats are not they're not the ones that are going to be leaders in any particular field. They are, you know, uh, they're employed by someone. They are there to execute policy. Um, and so it, it's, it's very difficult to look to them for new, in, you know, innovative policies, new opinions, um, and really any kind of meaningful update um, and and of course to bring it back to you know this you know what the fda is doing in discouraging youth from using e-cigarettes mm -hmm. this came within i believe a week after um what has been dubbed as fda friday which okay. was Jan july 28th 
announcement about the delay was happening. So, um, you know, it's it's very it's very difficult, I think, to um, it's it's not impossible. It's just difficult to look at all of this with a massive amount of hope and relief because you know when you, when you turn around and make you know go back to kind of doing the horrible crap you were doing before um just you know sending misinforming young people about the risks of these products which you know it's unavoidable that those messages splash onto adults um either you know either directly or the kids coming and saying you know mom you shouldn't be vaping that's going to give you brain cancer or something um which is not messages but the way that it affects your developing brain is um easy for a kid to mistake that for brain cancer, um, easy for adults to mistake that. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult. You know, it's still, you know, Scott Gottlieb's announcement and his speech and, and messages coming from Mitch Zeller, you know, even, even Matt Myers from tobacco free kids has publicly acknowledged that there's, there's a continuum risk. I hate using that word too, but, um, it, it's, it is actually valid now because we have, the sort of middle um and uh so you know but now it seems that they've been given a bit of, of more leeway of course campaign for tobacco for kids is still spreading um you know misinformation about um e-cigarettes and, and youth use and, and distorting the numbers coming out from the cdc and uh national youth tobacco survey and all of this stuff um Alex, this this is not the page you were talking about, is it? Clicking on, clicking on it. Oh, I see. This looks promising. Uh huh. Yeah, this is it. So yeah. we're gonna put this in the links. This looks like a, a comic book that um, a young person might might buy. Um, yep. Totally. You know, I don't. I don't care what the message is here with is okay so so yeah the, the banner ad here is there's no safe tobacco but what counts as tobacco and then you have these illustrations of so we've got a cigarette looks kind of like a pretty wicked is that a praying mantis you know what it kind of looks like did you um it looks like um that movie about the planet with the bugs on it do you know what I'm talking about? Star Starship Troopers. Star Troopers. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like a villain Starship Troopers. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, that's a pretty. I mean, there's gooey stuff coming out of its chest, but I mean, who cares? That thing looks pretty wicked. Um, oh my god. And then we've got and then we've got dip, which is some carnivorous plant, I guess, coming out of a a, a snuff can. Um, and the hookah, the water pipe, mm -hmm. uh, looks like it's, it's a two headed monster, really, mm -hmm. um, metallic. It looks like a robot. Um, I mean, if I were an evil villain and I wanted some sort of robotic monster on my side of the battle, <laughs> that guy, um, cause that's pretty cool looking. And then, uh, oh, the cigar is a crocodile. Um, yeah, I don't, that's not really as cool as the other ones. 
Um, but then again, you know, cares about cigars except for you know aficionados and stuff. Um, and then yeah, the e-cig. Like I, I don't really know. It looks like you a know. viper cross between like a viper and the alien from Aliens. I think it's a snake. It's supposed to be a snake. It's like if a Decepticon were a snake, <laughs> this is what it would look like. He's right. I mean, you you really you have to see this. It's yeah. It's it's really it's really kind of amazing. Uh, and and they spent a lot of money on this. Yeah, that's yeah. the other. That's the other thing. That's I mean, that's the sad part is that I mean, wow. I I don't. I mean, I don't think kids are looking at this and being like, you know, I don't think this, the takeaway is, wow, smoking is awesome. Um, but I, I don't think this really I don't think it's going to be effective. And then, of course, you know, like I said at the beginning, this, this kind of scrolling banner at the top here is there's no safe tobacco. I mean, that's not the message. That's, that's not the message anymore. If your if your agency is going to talk about a production strategy, you don't say you don't you don't hammer home that there's no safe tobacco. There's there's there's, there's no safe anything. There We're, isn't, but there's there's continuums of risk, and they're deliberately ignoring that. Right. You know? the, the, the dose makes the poison. Oh, the, the, the message is, and and I don't, I don't and I'm sure that that some some PR geniuses can work this over. Um, but you know, the message is, look, you're young, you're potentially stupid. At the very <laughs> least, you're, you're, you're inclined to take risks. If you're going to do these things, then you should make better decisions. And here's the range of, of things that can cause problems in your life. Right. And if you want to, if you want to play with fire, learn how to do it in a relatively controlled environment. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you boil that down and still get funding as a federal agency and, and, and present that to young people, but the message is make better decisions, not, not here's a bunch of lies. Well, I, I actually, yeah, since you're talking about that, I'm gonna go back and see if I can find it. I, I posted it somewhere and it was a, an editorial piece what was it? Um, and this editorial piece talked about um, how the government, okay, vaping debate, are health officials deceiving us for our own good? And it's all about vaping and the way the government is presenting the risks. And I think that's an interesting read. I don't know if you, you probably read this. I scrolled past it. Um, I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I, like, have not, I, mean, I have not read it. No, but I mean, this directly ties into what what is the real cost campaign is doing. Yeah, I think I'll that's... have to read that. And, and since you've mentioned it, we can include the link in our show notes. Yeah. Um, but it, it it is invalid. It it's like they're taking what one side of the agency is doing and saying and completely disregarding it and lying. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, I mean, if there is any sense to be made about, um, you know, what's happening at the FDA and with this announcement, um, you know, there's been, 
I, I've <laughs> been sort of maybe some mixed results or mixed reactions, um, evolving reactions actually to the announcement. And of course, you know, the, the big, the, the, the kind of, um, the crown jewel of this announcement for tobacco control people was regulating the nicotine content of cigarettes. Right. Um, and so, but, you know, I think, I think what director Gottlieb has acknowledged here is that there's a balancing act and, you know, again, this gets back to the whole horse trading scenario. You know, we're not talking about Congress, we're talking about horse trading. So in order for them to take this action, and delay PMTA, deadlines they kind of had to come out and say we're going to reduce the naked we're going to do some more cigarettes so that we can you know right. give the cigarette industry some more way um okay. all right it's not really it really isn't leeway it's just time um right. it is it is it is delaying the inevitable which is potentially thousands of manufacturers are going to wipe out i mean it's it's still a reality yeah. um it, the, the predicate date change is still uh, important in order to preserve um, the, what we currently understand as the diversity in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, it's you know the PMTA is still going to cost um, you know potentially more than a hundred thousand dollars per product. Wow. Per product. Yeah. Um, and you know there, there's there, there's talk of, of ways that, that you know. Um, you know, for example, the, the tobacco master file is something that manufacturers can use in order to, you know, reference studies instead of doing new studies. Um, and, and of course, we're going to be having these conversations over the next four years um, about um, clarifying the process and making it more, um, you know, making it more clear and giving mm-hmm. people final guidance on, um, it's not going to be final guidance, it's, gonna, it's always going to be draft guidance. Um, to, to manufacture about it going through the PMTA process, which, by the way, as I understand it, there is guidance out there mm-hmm. for going through the SE pathway, for going through PMTA, but it's not, you, you don't just look it up on their website, not the real guidance, not really what you need to know. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, you have to FOIA it. <laughs> and even in, and when you get those documents, they are heavily redacted. So it's not, it's it's it is currently not accessible to the common e-cigarette okay. manufacturer. Um, so without predicate date change, we are still looking at thousands of manufacturers being pushed out of the market, and um, it, it's yeah. So that that's still an issue. Um, which which by the way, the only update I have on that moment is that we are still in the budget bill. Um, the House passed the budget bill um, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. September 14th, I believe, um, and and you know we're we're still in it, so we're on to the Senate, um, and uh, obviously we're at the end of September, and there are other massive pressing issues before the U.S. Congress, and so the budget, which is normally not normally, but it's usually scheduled to be debated around the end of September, um, mm-hmm. is being pushed back, possibly looking at November again. Um, so, um, but yeah, we're still in the, the Cole Bishop is still in the bill. Um, but we'll be talking about that. Uh, hopefully I'll have some to say about that next week. Uh, We're, we're coming up on over an hour here, so I don't want to, I don't want to take up all of the time, but, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there is this uh, balancing act that's going on and nowhere is that more apparent than in, um, first of all, the FDA's announcement that included a extremely coercive suggestion of uh, reducing nicotine content in cigarettes uh, and also in what we're seeing in this real cost campaign stuff, you know, it's, you, it's like, you can't, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the truth without the lies. <laughs> you can't so, have the harm reduction without the prohibition. It's, it's, it's just. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So basically it's the yin and yang of how the government works. Yeah. Lovely. And I, you know, I will say just as a, as a final thought, um, you know, I, I, I suspect that many of our listeners, many consumers, you know, anybody that's, you know, I think gotten even moderately serious about following this issue, um, even, you know, the, I think the average CASA member who has participated in one of our engagements and, and I count myself in this too, um, I had my suspicions, you know, four years ago, I started getting involved, but it was, it really kind of became more clear to me um, while I was listening to a couple of people speak at GTNF. Tobacco, the tobacco regulation world is for people who are excited about policy work is one of the most interesting, exciting and engaging areas to be in because it is, it is a very contentious issue and policy is sort of always changing and always evolving. Um, and, and so I, I think that makes it as much as, as interesting as it is for these people, it is very, very complicated. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I am personally, I, I know I'm a bit out of my depth here, um, but, you know, I, I know my limits, so I'm not going to present my, my capacities. Um, you know, I'm in this as a consumer so that I can protect my access to low-risk products. And that's, right. you know, whatever I have to do in order to get that done, I'm willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some very, very serious, very smart, very passionate people um, at much higher levels of this discussion who are in this because of just how... Um, incredibly complicated all of this is um so yeah <laughs> you know it, it's very different from what you're told with your child that that the truth is all that matters yeah. when you're dealing with government it just doesn't seem to be that way no there's, there's so many other variables to this equation and um yeah. Well, um, here's to job security, I guess. I guess I'm so. Not saying for you, <laughs> I'm not saying for, for you, but I, I'm saying, you know, here's to job security. I, I guess that's why people get involved in this. Well, you know, and, and the other thing is, forgive me for trailing off there, but the other thing is that, you know, the, the lessons learned in the tobacco policy world do translate to other issue areas. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, parallels between what we're doing and 
you know, people who are looking to, to, to tear down the drug war. Um, you know, there, there are also, you know, in that, in the, the drug war gets into you know, criminal justice reform. We have tax policy battles here. Um, you know, we have issues of race and gender and, and police brutality. You have yeah, police brutality. Yeah. All of these things are, are somehow there is a connection, uh, and and there they, tobacco policy touches on this stuff. Um, it, it is, it, it, it just it, it never ends. So um, it is actually understandable. It's, it's less about job security, about you know people who really want to get their sink their teeth into any policy discussion, following the tobacco policy debate wide. Um, is is the place to be, um, and uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just I, I feel privileged to have been able to to meet some of these people and draw some inspiration from, them. Um, and you know, yeah. bring that back to Kasaf in whatever capacity I can, and and help us, you know. That's awesome. Like I said, we're the middle. We're the we're the ones that everybody's fighting over. So. Yeah, you're the ones that either get lifted up by the policy or trampled underneath it. We're either we're either at the table or at you. <laughs> Pretty much that. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, and actually, and so and, and I, 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 I now this is what I'll read. Um, you know, with that being said, and I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity at every single podcast we do. Um, and speaking engagement going forward um, is that, you know, all of this goes towards, I think, making the case to the further existence of CASA and doing what we can do to make our organization effective because we do work hard every day to represent the voice of the consumer and not just among policymakers. We're not just talking about getting our voices in, in, in legislatures. Right. This is about um, representing the consumer voice in other areas as well. And and I have to say, you know, this year kind of marks a, a bit of a, a turning point. Um, you know, we found ourselves invited to industry events right. because the people who are working in the industry want to hear consumers. And we have done, we have worked very hard over the past several years to to build the Casa brand, to 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 make it known that that we are you know we are working to effectively represent the voice of consumers, and so, you know, policy professionals that work in the industry have taken notice and and I think are inclined to you know invite us to do these things because they want to know they want to know what the consumer perspective is on this, and and they want to know you know what what we can they, they, I mean, want to know what we can actually bring to the table and right. um and, and what really matters to us uh and so um you know that that has been um i, I think that's something that we don't we don't talk about a whole lot but it's a very important aspect of what we do and um i will say that none of this happens without contributions from members. Mm -hmm. and um first of all you know again I believe this has happened since we, and since we were not on the air. Um, wanted to thank um, Phil Basardo for organizing the auction. 
um, which which raised uh, five thousand dollars from the auction and an additional almost two thousand dollars in side donations um, because uh, Dimitri was humiliating Phil on <laughs> Facebook Live um, and Dimitri hosted the Facebook Live for the end of the auction. So um, right. again, a special thank you, Dimitri and Phil, for um, for that that final night and, and raising all that money um, and also. Um, Heather Hutton, uh, Big Chief Vapors. Um, I, I should have that in front of me. Uh, Big Chief Vapor Company LLC, I think is the real name. Um, and she is out of Louisiana. She was the winning bid. Um, also, uh, uh, another thank you to um, Ismail and Amelia Vera for um, a bulk of those, uh, the lion's share of the side donations uh, and they're from Pennsylvania. Um, and so um, just again, a very heartfelt thank you for all the people that participated in that. And, um, you know, in the past month or so, I, I believe, I believe I have seen a tick in um, small recurring monthly donations. Um, and that, that right there, that is the lifeblood mm -hmm. of, any organization really and that is that's really kind of what that's what i'm aiming for it you know we don't we don't it, it sustain this organization on one-time massive donations um, right. they are appreciated and that money gets put to to excellent use mm -hmm. uh but what what we're really i think um asking for is you know if we can get thousands of people to donate $5 a month, um, that's, that's going to keep us chugging along yeah. for, for a while. Um, it, you know, we need to be able to, to make more than our monthly expenses. We need to be, be able to bring in more than our monthly expenses in order to expand our programs. And, you know, the more I think about this, you know, it would be great if we could hire, um, if I could hire a social media professional in order to do right now, it's just me. <laughs> um, if we could hire, you know, people to, to, to manage our website, you know, beyond the, the guy that's volunteering his time, Bruce and I, you know, to, who's on directors, uh, you know, to, to, to take care of the technical stuff. You know, if we had people that could write for us and do, um, if you had some, people that could just do even fundraising and all the stuff that had to be done to do it at a state level. Yeah. And, and we do, you know, we do have to some extent, you know, I think, you know, the, some, some uh, industry advocates are, are pitching in mm -hmm. and getting the word out about, you know, about our, our fundraising needs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think we're, have more details on that coming up giving season is right around the corner which is why you're going to hear about this um but uh i promise not to take up too much more time um but i, I did at least want to say that you know um we we're operating on a shoestring and to be perfectly honest we have been operating on a shoestring when i when i talk to people that are selling us stuff and and they you know and i actually show them what we've done what the participation is, and they take a look at all of our activities. They're they're very impressed, and, and even more impressed when they find out that we're not doing this for a whole lot of money. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of that to say that you know a five dollar monthly donation from people goes a very long way. And um, yeah, you can take we, that five dollars and stretch it until it screams. 
Yeah, and we 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 need it because there are going to be several more opportunities for engagement on this FDA stuff. There are going to be many many more opportunities for engagement at the local level, and uh, and of course at the state level. Um, and and you can bet you can bet your you can bet your ass that all of the people that don't like vaping, that don't like nicotine, that don't like tobacco are taking this announcement from FDA and they're shopping it around the state houses right now. And they're pulling out that old line of, it's like the wild west again. Um, and, oh, yeah. and they are they are pulling the wool over eyes of lawmakers and saying that this industry isn't regulated, um, which is total nonsense. So yes. um, we have our work cut out for us for the next several years. and. Um, yeah. And yeah, and we we need we need a strong consumer voice, and that's that's what Casa is here to do. So, with that, casa.org forward slash donate. Yeah. And uh, we deeply deeply appreciate any contribution. To think. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, you have no idea how hard these people work. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> um, you know. You just don't. Uh, and I guess on that note, I would like to say thank you for showing up this week, Alex. I thank oh, you yeah. to very for uh, putting this together for us, and um, thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, uh, as Alex said, you know, Casa forward slash Casa org forward slash donate. Um, you can uh, get Casa's updates by going to casa.org and looking for the podcast tab. They will show up, the RSS feed will show up, and you can download them in reverse descending order. If you're an iTunes, an Apple iTunes user, you can go to the Apple Podcast Store and search Casa Media. You'll be able to import it directly into your iTunes folder and listen as soon as new episodes come up. Um, you can go to SoundCloud and search Kasa Media and get all of our our wide catalog of uh, episodes there. And uh, we want you to be informed about what's going on. Um, the donations go for things like this. They go for getting the word out um they go to help you be prepared to help yourself and um can't do it without you so thank you everyone for listening thank you alex for everything you do and yeah we'll see you next week i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt that okay. um that that closing to say that while we were on the air um an update has come out via tweet from uh, Scott Gottlieb, um, uh, I believe this happened probably 15 minutes ago or so. Um, okay. But the FDA will be extending product registration deadlines. Yay! I don't have a timeline. I'm sure you can check his Twitter feed for more details. Well, but, right, but um, don't don't stop the, working on it. <laughs> the, yeah, don't stop working on it. But the exact tweet, two of two is owing to website connectivity problems. RE tobacco registration, we will will be implementing a short-term extension to allow firms to register. So um, yeah, I figured that was good enough to break in on the end. And that is that is excellent news. Yeah. So breaking news, you heard it here. Breaking news.
So uh, yeah, with that, uh, thank you, Jan and Barry, for putting this on this week. Um, and I hope everything goes smoothly and we can do this again. Yeah, we'll, next do, week this and next. we'll do this. We'll do this next week, even if we don't do a show. We'll find some way to do it next week. Fantastic. Okay. All right. All right. We will see you next Tuesday, and if not, uh, some other time during the week, but we will definitely put out another episode next week. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great night. You too.